You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Well, Ruben and Mariella, how long have we known each other now? It's, it's been uh, since baby. Oh, it's, it's sorry about that. I'm brand new on this. It's okay. But uh, um, it's 2007. Um, we were attending here. And um, I actually, in the military, got stationed in Japan, and we, we reunited back in Japan after the earthquake as well out there in 2009. And uh, so it's been a good time since good. 2007. Good, 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 good. I remember uh, seeing you guys in Japan. You're in the military. Uh, you had moved over there. We were going over there to do an outreach. I had forgot, for whatever reasons, that you guys had even moved there. And the last people that I, I would you know, think that I would see would be people I know from our church, especially running up to me with big old smiles <laughs> and going, hey, we miss you guys. I'm like, what in the world? And it, all of those dots connected. And of course, you served uh, for a season over there and God has brought you back and you have a, a wonderful wife, wonderful marriage, wonderful family. Why don't you share a little bit about your family? You have three children and um, just what is it like to be a Christian marriage, a Christian family? Um, very involved in our church, but then this pandemic hit and we had to pivot and you've made an interesting pivot with us as well. Why don't you talk a bit about just the dynamics of the home and how you're continuing to connect with us? Okay. I mean, just like many of you guys, you know, it just all came out of a sudden and, you know, I mean, we were trying to find the new norm and I have, I have older kids, you know, we have two in college and one in high school. So we're all very active and we're all in so many different places. So when, when this all went down, now we were all in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember listening to a service one time and it was just talking about, I don't want to leave here the same, you know, and what is that going to look like here in our family? And, you know, I really put some thought to that. And I was looking at it and I, was, I you know, God kind of put on my heart is connect with the family. Mm-hmm. You know, we're older and, and we're all kind of involved, maybe going to our rooms a little bit more than, than not, you know, and the Lord put on, hey, you know what, let's use this time to go deeper. And I think the whole family was used to doing their own thing. So that was an adjustment. But it's cool to see how, you know, the, through that little rocky wave, the Lord brought us all together. And now you have family time together, these conversations that you're having. You're, you're, work. you're in the military still, but you work. You, you, you're thankful that you have a job here <laughs> close by. And I know you're very thankful for that as well. I am, yes. You are. And so you're, you're one of those families where, for the most part, that is still a bit normal, right? Where you're, you're working and being a dad, being a husband. And Mariella, why don't you speak a little bit to that as well? I mean. Sure. Yeah. Um, just it's been a huge blessing just having Ruben close to home. There was a time where he was away from us being local here in California. So having him close and going through this season with him close to home, just having this um, new normal with the family, it's just been a huge blessing. And um, just having my husband (laughs) by my side is wonderful. I feel like God has been just um, showing us, like it's been a new reset for the family during this time. Sure. Yeah. Sure, sure. And what's it been like in the home having church in the home. I know you're down here with some of the services and stuff, but a lot of times you're, you're at home in service. What's that like? What, I mean, is it, is it like, hey, 
come to order kind of thing? Is Reuben <laughs> put on his uniform to command everybody's attention, or how does that work? Well, before church, everyone, we have uh, room inspections. So room inspections. That's, that's always first. You know? Line up in front of our rooms. And yes, mm -hmm. line up in front of the rooms. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. good. But, but no, you know what? I think um, at first it was a, a little different because we were all very comfortable on the couch, on, you know, no one knew whether to get a blanket and snuggle and be in pajamas or should we get dressed up. So we were just dressed up, you know. I think as it's gone through now, we've gotten a little bit more. We have the coffees and, and we're kind of in our pajamas sometimes or not. But um, it's, it's been, um, you know, something that really stuck out to me is also, you know, as you say, let, let's have an environment at home so that we can worship. And, you know, that's something that we've really taken. Hey, let's have this environment so that we can concentrate on Lord. Because it can be easy to get distracted. We have a dog, Kona, and she likes to come and rub on you, you know, <laughs> when we're there. But, you know. Is your dog saved? She is. She prays. She prays. She's, okay. That's important, great. you know. <laughs> I mean, that's a joke, just to clarify. You know, we're going to get some feedback on that. Yeah. Mar you know, you're, you're a homemaker. I know you. And, and, and uh, this has been a, a disruption to every mom out there, every mm -hmm. wife out there. So what is it like when... Maybe, maybe you can even give some things that you've discovered as the wife and the mom to uh, these wives and moms that are out there as it relates to, you know, preparing for a service time or even just, you know, this, developing a spiritual climate in a house that is under a stay-home order. Right. Yeah, I'm just being home with the kids a little more now. Um, and preparing for that service time has definitely been sweet because... Well, even the night before, we'll just be like, hey, are you going to watch at 9 or 11? What, what service are we watching just so that we can all be together during this time? But just having that peaceful environment in the home has just been more inviting yeah. and more pleasant for all of us. Good. But just um, bringing, bringing everyone in mm -hmm. to be on the same page of when we're going to be um, watching service online together. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And just to add to that, you know, I, um, I go to work and every now and then I get to work from home. But I think one thing I've really seen her with the kids is the connections that she's had with them. She, you know, she'll go outside and she's finding different ways to go plant with them or just to sit some time. And, and I've seen the relationship. She's, the, she's been the glue to all of us right there. So, I mean, it's, it's awesome just to, to be able to see what the Lord does when we surrender ourselves to him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, every now and then, you know, the, there's little disruption. The enemy tries to get in. But, you know, we're aware of that. And, and we refocus and we come back in, you know. Um, so it, it's, it's been a great, great time. Yes. You, mm -hmm. you guys both, um, as far as uh, a couple of the church, have been very active here. Uh, Ruben, you're, you're one of our key leaders here, the equivalent of an, of an elder here. We have you in a lot of meetings. Uh, you're around a lot of the decision making uh, for the church. Um, we, we, we appreciate that. We enjoy that. Um, at the same time, we've talked as leaders about this platform and how we've just blown our mind at how God has used it to reach so many more people than we would ever have seen, we believe, him reach in the sanctuary setting. And um, I think you were sharing about one of those, just being able to share with coworkers and, and maybe encourage those people that are listening right now, uh, even as they're sitting there, the opportunity of, of sending out the link and inviting people and how non-threatening it is in this kind of setting. You know, just to speak to that, I mean, um, going to work, we're all going to work, and there's so many different conversations that are, are going on. And, and like I said, I, I wanted to leave this situation different than before. And, you know, I mean, there's been, there's many conversations going on. I was like, how is it that the Lord can use us during this time frame? And, you know, one thing that really got to me is, like, when you're in the military, we deploy. 
and we go, and, and a long time ago, there wasn't cell phones, there wasn't FaceTime, you know, there wasn't ways. Now there's so many ways that we can connect. You know, the Lord has, has these opportunities. We have FaceTime, we have all these, we have these Zoom meetings, we have all of this. And, and one thing I would say, it, it's, it is pretty easy right now. There's a lot of people that are open and receptive, just being in the office at times, you know, um, people are, have questions. And, you know, it's, it's easy to, to, to point them to the Lord. You know, I mean, I think fear is one of the biggest things that I've seen, you know. And, you know, a verse that really comes to mind, the, the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And how does that play out? Because we train. We, we come here and we're training. The Lord is training us up just like in the military. They train us up. And now we're called to action. And, yeah. and the training comes out naturally. You just have to give it to the Lord and let him work through you and get over that fear. Amen. Yeah, you think about that. All of these Bible studies we've had, you know, midweeks through Ecclesiastes and, and our Sunday mornings through First and Second Peter, now into First John. And, and the Lord knew what was coming. And he was equipping us. Um, and now to seize that opportunity. I like that, that word, deployment. That's a, a new word we'll use around here. It's spiritual deployment, man. <laughs> kingdom of God has been deployed. Let's go. His kingdom kids are going at it. Well, we love you guys. We thank you for making time, uh, pulling away from the home and coming over here, as you do from time to time, uh, and sharing with our online audience. So uh, say hi to the kids and to uh, your dog. Yes. <laughs> Give him a big old hug for me. All right. thank, thank you. you. We love you guys. Miss All you guys. Right. Can't wait to see you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, at this time, we're going to uh, segue into our, our Bible study for tonight. And... We are going to be joined by uh, a really tall fellow by the name of Chad Bell. And, a, and, a, and a not, well, he's tall as well. Yes, Brian Bautista over here. He's, I'm like, Brian's like, I'm shorter. But uh, I'm going to invite them onto the stage right now to join me. So if you're in your house, let's give them a good old Calvary. La Habra, welcome. Uh, we cannot hear you, but we believe that you are applauding for these two men. Uh, one of the things that we uh, like to do here is... Is, is discuss God's word. We, uh, we have a lot of teaching around here, and that hasn't changed at all since uh, we have been under this stay-home order and, and in this season of a pandemic, COVID-19. Uh, there's been a lot of teaching going on, and maybe some of our online audience might not know about some of the teachings you guys do, some of the devotions you do to the online audience as well. Um, so I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. Uh, introduce yourselves to the online audience. You're, you're married both. You have kids. You got lots of kids. And you're on the way to having lots of more kids. You know, that kind of thing. Not, not saying that anybody's going to have a child soon, but growing family is my point. Uh, so, Brian, why don't you share a little bit just how long you've been around and... Yeah. Yeah, my name is Brian, and uh, I am married. I've been married. We just celebrated uh, 17 years of being married, and um, we have two kids. Um, one's in high school right now, and one's um, actually going to be eight this weekend, and uh, he likes to keep us busy. Huh? Um, but, um, yeah, so we've been around here. Our family's been here for going on three years or so, and um, we've been mainly helping out with the high school ministry with the youth, and so as part of uh, the youth ministry, we get the opportunity to be able to teach on different um, Sundays and different Wednesdays and also being involved with the youth uh, worship ministry. So I get the opportunity to be able to, to teach um, just different aspects of worship and what that looks like with our youth. And, and so that's kind of what we've been doing. 
Uh, my name is Chad. I have been coming around here off and on when I was younger for 25 years, basically. I started coming around in 1995 when I was a senior in high school. Was this even a church back then? We oh my here. goodness. Yeah, we, we were, were over on stage in Valley View, so um, been around this place a long time. Got married in here. Um, all my kids have been raised. Uh, my wife is Heather. We'll be married 20 years uh, coming up in August. Crazy, right? Crazy. Um, my oldest son is a, a senior in high school, so he's dealing with this whole thing and not getting to have a graduation and all that stuff that normally would come with it. Uh, my daughters are, uh, one's a sophomore, one's in seventh grade, and my youngest is a fifth grader. So that's my family. Um, been teaching around here in some capacity for, I don't know, I think it's the last like 18 years since my son was born. Uh, started off teaching second, third graders who are now adults, you know, young adults. Um, and now I'm part of the high school ministry with Brian and Jay, and we, we teach on Sundays. Uh, we've been doing uh, devos, online stuff, uh, discussion panels. There's, we're offering so much more now than we did uh, you know, when we were meeting in a normal setting. And so it's really a, really a cool time for us and the kids. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it's been great to see you guys come around. We've still got lots of ministry going on around here, man. I know uh, you're both very busy as dads and working still, and um, you're kind of... Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher, so I, it, you know, this whole thing, and I teach PE, which is very hard to do online. Um, <laughs> so my work has changed quite a bit, and then my wife, on the other hand, uh, she went from working just a couple days a week to she's a nurse, and so she works at the county um, public health office, and so she's working you know, crazy hours right now that she's never worked before because she's kind of on the front line talking to healthcare providers and doctors and all these different things. And so it's been a, been quite a change for us as a family and having the kids home. I mean, we've been, we spent more time together in this last six, seven weeks than we have the whole time my son's been in high school because there's just no sports and, you know, stuff that really takes so much time. You don't realize it until it's taken away and you have sure. so much time together, but it's been a blessing. Sure. Well, um, I love it when you guys are around. I mean that. You know, I see you coming in to record, and um, it, it, for me, it just encourages me that ministry isn't slowed down one bit. Every time I see people walk on and you're walking towards a recording studio, I'm like, yes, give them Jesus, man. I know you're, you're focusing on that younger generation, and that is uh, absolutely huge. So uh, it's an honor to have you guys here and to talk about what we're learning. And um, Sunday morning, we, of course, went through this, this topic on the kingdom of God. And um, so why don't we get right into that? I started off with uh, just a reference to, um, I, I was really feeling like it would be good. we got this online audience. It's growing. It's not just our church, it's not just our city, it's not just our state, our nation, it's global. And um, I just thought, you know, how cool would it be to start addressing some of those questions that people have as it relates to those days following the resurrection? We have, we have these larger audiences that seem to meet with us uh, on Easter and maybe Passion Week. And and then the week after, you know, uh, Easter, in most churches I know, oftentimes we'll see newer people coming around that got saved maybe through that uh, week of outreach and whatnot. 
But it, it goes back to rather normal uh, services. We get back to our through the Bible studies, whatever they're through, whatever we're going through. And um, we get back to just that routine of what our church was focusing on. But there's been an online uh, audience that's been growing even before the, the stay home order. And so I thought, well, it would be good to maybe share with those people, what is it that Jesus continued to do those 40 days following his um, resurrection? And we, we had one study where we talked a bit about that, some events that happened following his resurrection in those days. And then I, I thought it would be good to focus on what, what did he really talk about? What was it if you bumped into Jesus and he's in his glorified body, he's raised from the dead. If you walked into a crowd and heard him speaking, what was it that he was focusing on? If I were to repeat what I saw, what I heard, I come running up to either one of you guys, I saw him because we know that large groups, up to 500 once, saw him. The disciples all saw him, minus Judas. Uh, many people saw him in different settings. But if I saw him and I listened to him, and I came and I saw you two guys, what would I tell you he looked like? What would I say he was doing? And then you would probably say, well, what was he saying? What did he have to say? And I, I find it interesting that the Bible is not silent on that. And I find it interesting that there's actually a theme. There's something he, he really focused on. And it's one of those topics, the kingdom of God, that when you begin to talk to people about that, they automatically go to either heaven, you know, which is part of that, or they might even go where the disciples went to a, a physical, literal kingdom, which the Bible talks about as well. But if you asked them, well, what was it that Jesus was focusing on? There's two aspects of this. There is a literal kingdom and there's a spiritual kingdom. And I think if you asked, you know, your average Christian, what is it that Jesus was focusing on in those 40 days following it? They probably go, well, I'm not sure. So what I did is I, I just put a timeline, uh, just a through the Bible research on the, the kingdom of God. And it, it is interesting that in Acts chapter um, 1, when you begin this, this whole thing, and in verses 1 through 3, it talks about, and Luke, of course, who also had... Uh, you know, he's a doctor, and he, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which emphasizes really on Jesus' uh, humanity. But then he, he, he also is used by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write the book of Acts. And he refers back to his, his Gospel in the intro, the former account that I made, O Theophilus, writing to this man, Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. So he's like, in my gospel, I refer to his life, his ministry, his death, burial, resurrection, and his ascension. Okay? But then he goes, he says, let me read it again. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering, after his death, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during the 40 days, and here it is, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And 
I can remember a few years ago when that first jumped out at me, and, and I actually had my own personal Bible study that I thought, I'm going to find out everything about the kingdom here. And I was actually in, in Israel, and I was reading this, and we were spending a lot of time in that trip focusing on the literal kingdom. We were in the, the, the city of Petra. We were talking about when Jesus does return, his second coming. And what will he be doing as he comes back to set up his literal kingdom? And that particular trip, there was just a lot of emphasis on that. And it got me thinking about this. But there's also, as I began to study that, I'm like, well, he didn't talk a lot about that after he raised from the dead and walked on the earth. His focus was more on um, a, a spiritual kingdom. So just a, a highlight, and I'll set you guys up with maybe a few questions here. But um, I, I, I pinned down and I, I shared in my study that as you go through the Bible, there's this reoccurring focus on a kingdom. It's from the beginning of the scripture to the end of scripture. And um, scripture throughout the Bible, it reveals that there have been battles over this kingdom and the rightful ruler over the kingdom. And um, this, of course, is a controversy that began sometime after God created the heavens and the earth. And I gave the reference out of Ezekiel chapter 28 and again um, out of Isaiah chapter 14, which just talks about Satan, a created cherub, a created angel, who was like, well, I want to be God. <laughs> I want to rule over all of this. But um, it says in chapter 14 of Isaiah, chapter, 15, or chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, no, 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 um, you're going to be cast down. You're going to be brought down to, to Shoal, to the lowest parts of the pit. And it says that one day, one day in the future, yet to come, we're going we're gonna to look when, when Satan is, is in Revelation 20, cast into the abuso, and he's going to be chained there for a thousand years when Jesus sets up his kingdom, that, that we're going to somehow look at him in that pit, and we're going to say, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Listen, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house to his prisoners. So just that picture Satan wanting to be the ruler of, of all, of all of the kingdoms. And in this present time in which we live, we go through the book of Ephesians, we know that God has allowed him some authority. God has allowed him some rule and some reign. He's the prince of the power of the air, Paul says, who now works through the sons of disobedience. So there is a kingdom, if you will, um, that he is part of, but it's not God's kingdom. It's a kingdom of, of darkness. In, um, in Colossians, in chapter, Colossians 1, I didn't share this scripture but in, on Sunday morning, but in Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14, Paul writing to believers, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, 
and the forgiveness of sins. So we might say that, yeah, Satan has a, he's part of a kingdom of darkness. And he has limited rule and reign as God has allowed him to. As he works through people he influences. He, he works through the sons of disobedience, those who are practicing wit, wickedness and whatnot. But the whole focus of our study was more on the kingdom of God um, in, the, in the kingdom of heaven. We, we go through the scripture and we see two phrases. The kingdom of God, which refers to a, a literal kingdom that Jesus has yet to establish on the earth, where he will rule and reign for a thousand years. We see that in, in his coming back, the second coming in Revelation chapter 19, going into chapter 20. And then the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual kingdom. And that's what, what I talked about. That was more of what we uh, began to develop. And when, before Jesus came on the scene, we have his cousin, John the Baptist, who is a forerunner. And his message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so I'm going to lay that out there on the table. And uh, I'm going to ask you guys, if you listen to John and he said that, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what do you think he was talking about? What did you get out of, what, what do you, what do you get out of God's word on that? Yeah, and I think, I think you spoke a little bit about that in, in talking about really um, how the thought process at the time was that they were, the Jews were looking for a physical kingdom, uh, looking at a physical Messiah that would arrive, that would um, overthrow uh, the authority at the time, the Romans. And, and so uh, what they may have been looking at that time was looking for a physical um, kingdom that God would establish that would bring them um, into his kingdom. And so where John comes in at that point and is now emphasizing that there's something different that we are bringing in. It's, it's, it's not this kingdom of um, this physical kingdom that they are thinking of, but basically that I'm preparing the way for him who's coming, who's going to establish a kingdom opposite of what you're thinking at the moment, but that's going to establish a, a spiritual kingdom that's gonna be beyond what you're expecting of this physical aspect of this Messiah that's gonna bring this authority uh, that would come in time. But what he's speaking about is this spiritual kingdom that was at hand. This is what I've been called to do to prepare the way for that which God's gonna do. Something different than what you have expected. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you, one of the things that you said when you were you know, talking about these verses was that the, the kingdom of heaven was near because the king was near, mm -hmm. you know, and I think um, God works in the unexpected. You know, they, he, he knew what they were looking for. He knows their thoughts. He knew what they were expecting and he went the opposite direction with it. You know, um, I was looking at, you know, just kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, and, and there's a number of parables, uh, you know, through the Gospels. Kingdom parables, yeah. Yeah, through, through, through Matthew. And in Matthew 25, gives you the parable of the talents, you know. And, and it, it talks about uh, a landowner giving his servants talents. And what did they do with them? And, and, it, and it's in reference to the kingdom of heaven. We've been given, um, as believers, we've been given this gift of Jesus, uh, of, of a Savior who has saved us from 
from all of the wrong that we've done, from the sin that, that basically we were born into. And he looks at three different guys who were given this, this, this kingdom, this, this knowledge, and what did they do with it? And the ones that multiplied it, the ones that went out and were, were effective for him were rewarded. And the one who wasn't was not, you know? And I think that's like for us, you know, one of the questions, and I'm sure you'll get to this, but, but the question Jesus asks is, who do people say I am? And, and that's mm, a question mm, we have to mm. uh, answer ourselves. And that's probably the biggest question we'll ever have to answer, you know, when we talk to high schoolers, you know, we're, we're talking at a different level, like they have tests and all this stuff that we're so far removed from. But, but when you answer questions, that is the most important question you'll ever have to answer is, who do you say that I am? But another one is, is what did you do for the kingdom? Or what did you do with the kingdom of heaven that has mm-hmm. been given to you, you know? And so, um, yeah, I just think it, it was, it was kind of cool looking through the different parables and the, you know, obviously a lot of them refer to the, 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 the coming of the kingdom and the rapture, you know, when it's going to happen and we don't know when, but um, that was just one that, that kind of stood out. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of key words. Um, you, you know, I, I always put myself in their sandals and I'm like, <laughs> what was it like? It had been 400 years since they had a prophet raised up to speak since Malachi. And John the Baptist would be what the Old Testament talked about, the forerunner of the Messiah. And now he's on the scene. And, you know, I'm sure they're not, oh, there he is. There's, you know, it, it takes a while for all this to set in. These are, especially with the Jews, very religious people that have formed in their mind that they are already in right standing with God. Um, they will, they will uh, Jesus, when he begins to uh, speak about the kingdom in Matthew chapter 4, he'll, he comes on the scene he begins to, to say the same thing John said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and, and then there's a, a latter conversation he has where he heals these lepers and the, the, the Pharisees are there, the religious leaders are there and they ask Jesus when the kingdom would come. And they were, when will the kingdom of God come? They were looking for a physical kingdom. And it's interesting, you know, that, that exchange between them. He answered them, he said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. What I'm talking about, the kingdom I'm talking about, it's not something you're going to see. Nor will they say, oh, there it is, or over there. And he says, but the kingdom of God is within you. And the, the challenging thing for, for the religious leaders was that they were like, no, we're looking for a Messiah that is actually going to, as you said, liberate us from the tyranny of Rome and set up a physical kingdom. And we can be hard on, on the religious leaders and the, the Jews that followed them with, with great conviction, but the disciples were no different. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that would have been, you know, something to expect. Yeah, you're just living under the thumb of, you know, Roman taxes and just the Roman oppression and everything as, as Jews and them controlling our lives to the degree that they were, it isn't a bad thing to wish for, but they misinterpreted God's word. And they were running around, as Jesus said, you guys are saying, you know, I'm of the father Abraham. I'm of the father Abraham. In other words, you're saying we're in right standing with God because we're born into this, this family, the line of, of, of Judaism. Or I'm, I'm, I'm an Israeli. 
But he's like, this is something that's not about that. Number one, that doesn't bring you into right standing with God. But what Jesus was wanting them to understand is this is something that is within you. So let's put ourselves in their sandals for a second. I think it's, it's a good question to, to throw out there. Would this be something we could say today to somebody who's not a Christian, to someone that is, is as Jesus said to Nicodemus, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, talking about heaven itself, um, you've got to be born again. So there are people out there maybe listening right now that haven't put their faith in Jesus. They haven't professed him as their Lord and Savior. They're not saved. They're not Christian, not born again. Would it be a fair statement to go up to a person that's not saved and say you need to repent? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. What does Absolutely. repentance mean? Yeah, I mean, repent to, to turn away from the direction you're in, a 180-degree turn. And just as you were talking, I was kind of thinking, would that be a fair comment now in our day? And I was just thinking upon just maybe the equivalent to that might be um, thinking that my moral standing is right. And I think a lot of what you hear mm -hmm. nowadays is, I'm, I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. I'm technically a good person. I don't do bad things. I, I don't do the things that these other people do. And so therefore, um, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't God save me? Why wouldn't God look out for me? I'm not as bad as this group or this person. Or maybe even the same, um, well, I was born into this religious family. My parents go to church, or I was raised in the church. Born I went America, to retreats. I'm yeah, yeah. I, I'm a Christian, so why, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't God save me? And I think that would be very similar if we compare um, with the religious leaders at the time, thinking that because I am specifically born to, uh, as an Israeli, then therefore, obviously, I'm God's chosen people. And so um, yeah. I think that would be kind of comparing the two within that. Sure. I think it's natural for people to you know, see themselves as inherently good. But unfortunately, the Bible doesn't describe us as inherently good. We are, we are fallen. The, the Bible describes that we are born in, into a depraved state. We are separate from God and in need of God. And so there's no family line that we could be born into. No, uh, whether, it's, whether it's an American or whether it's an Israeli or any nationality that we could be born into that would put us in right standing with God. If that were the case, God would have never sent his son to die on a cross. He would have said, I just got to make sure everybody's born Israeli. <laughs> and so they had, they had misunderstood the scriptures and they had had this interpretation that because of, of who we are nationally, we are in right standing with God. And there the king of the kingdom was standing right in front of him saying, it's not about this political thing that you want. It's about a spiritual kingdom, which he is the spiritual king saying, hey, it's within you. And so to repent, to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, I think is a very fair statement to say, not like someone going to run around telling everybody today, but in, in modern terms, it would be to any sinner they need to recognize that they are a sinner and turn away from that which separates them from God, turn from that to the one who brings them into right standing with God, which is Jesus Christ. And when we turn from, from that which separates us from God, it is dark, is it not? Depravity is it's dark. It's part of the kingdom of darkness. 
It's the fallen nature. It is in need of saving. And so we're turning from that to the one who saves. We're turning from the kingdom of darkness, you might say, to the one that is described as the kingdom of light, the sun of love. That's just an amazing phrase. And so we might say it that way. Hey, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But it is a very needed thing to understand. So John ran around proclaiming that. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because the king is here. Jesus ran around after the, he talked about it before the resurrection, before his, his crucifixion. And he talked about it um, after his resurrection um, as well. Um, I had one little segue, and I think it'd be good. I think we got some time to maybe, uh, well, just about, just, well, where am I? Which camera? Sunday, <laughs> I'm going to be talking a bit more about um, the kingdom of heaven, this spiritual kingdom, and, and the kingdom parables, as you talked to, uh, talked about, Chad, and, and how that kingdom, how God designed to advance that kingdom through us. So that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday. But we did uh, last Sunday also talk about the, the physical kingdom because there were some scriptures where we referred to where Jesus talked about both. And one of those was in Luke's gospel, chapter 17, where he just talked about the physical kingdom. And he talked about some of the signs, some things that we will see happening on earth as we're getting close uh, towards the end. And one of the, the things that he said in verses 27 through 28, that it would be kind of like business as usual. He said it'd be like the days of Lot or like the days of, of Noah. What, what, do you, what stands out to you guys if someone came to you and said, Brian, Chad, what does that mean? How, how are we going to know that it's, it's, it's close? What are some of those indicators? Anything stand out? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you talked about going about life as normal, but normal for them was pursuing things that were not of God, debauchery mm -hmm. and pursuing idols and different things like that. They were it was glorified. Homosexuality was glorified. It was, it was not only accepted, but it was put up on a pedestal. Right. I mean, you look at the world we live in today, and it's very similar to that, yeah. where everything is accepted. And, and everyone is encouraged to, 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 to go for their own and be their own person. And, and, and what, you is number one, right? And that's the world we live in. And that's what it was like in the days of Noah and Lot. You know, that's, they were just going about normal business like that. Yeah, in Genesis chapter 5, remember, it says about the days of Noah that every thought was like wicked continuously. It was like God looked at, at society and he's like, I just see wickedness. There, it was godly, godlessness. And when you refer, he refers to the days of Lot, that was the same thing. There's, there's a couple of things that stand out. Both, in both cases, there was rampant immorality. As you said, it was the norm. It was glorified. It was defended. It was, that's, that's vogue. That's in. That was the trend. In both cases, there was a warning. And in both cases, people scoffed at the warning. They just were like, you know, who cares? It's never going to come. 
And so, in both cases, judgment came. Peter talks about the end times. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and he says, knowing this, scoffers will come in the last day, walking according to their own lust, saying, and saying, oh, where's the promise of his coming? In other words, the warning has been coming, and the warning has been coming, and he hadn't come yet, as if that would minimize God's plan somehow. But you can't minimize God's plan. <laughs> the one thing you can count on is you go through the Old Testament, and whatever God said he would do, he did. <laughs> over and over, God said he would do something, and he did it. And maybe before it happened, you would question the accuracy or the credibility of God. But after it happened, you started seeing a pattern. What God said he did. What God said he did. As it relates to the future, where we're living in what we believe enough signs are indicating. We're living in the final, the final days leading up to the end. The same is true. The warning has come. The warning to repent is needed. And Jesus is going to come and establish his kingdom. And he is going to judge after he... Uh, takes the church out of here, he is going to judge the earth for several years. Uh, Revelation 6 through 19. So these are things, again, that I think when we talk to our friends about this, sometimes they're like, the Bible says that? Sometimes you talk to Christians, they're like, the Bible says that? <laughs> well, yeah, actually, Jesus said that. <laughs> and, and he was very clear about us wanting to know about both aspects of this kingdom. So, I think it is a, a great time to uh, let people know that what God has looked at on this earth, uh, and he has an hourglass, and he has turned that over, and he is not ignoring the immorality of our day anymore that he ignored the immorality of the days of Lot or the days of Noah. He is warned of a coming judgment, and he is going to judge the earth, but you know, it's interesting, too, and Peter would say that God is not willing. He's long-suffering. He's very patient. And so we don't want to take his long-suffering patience as he's not going to act. His long-suffering patience is just the nature of God. He's waiting for, I always say that, that next person, that final person, maybe, to come into the kingdom. And then uh, he, he's going he's gonna to rapture his church out of here. First Thessalonians chapter 4. And um, then judgment's going to come upon the earth. And then at the end of that, in um, Revelation 20, he will, 1920, he will return and establish um, his kingdom. So a little bit of a, of, a, of a segue there, but what I really wanted to get across, and I think it's important, was um, the idea of expanding God's kingdom. I'll get into that more on, on Sunday, but we did give some examples even with, Jesus, and when he was walking on the earth with the disciples, he was talking about their role in that. It would begin, the kingdom, the king was there, and the, the kingdom of God was being offered. And um, I've explained it, maybe you can add to this, or maybe your version of this, but my description of the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, and it is something that is in us as well as we are in it, right? And so I always like to say, well, where is the kingdom of God? Well, wherever the king is enthroned. So if you're born again and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he's enthroned upon your heart, 
there's the kingdom of God. And you are now in that spiritual kingdom, which is eternal. Okay? My, my father passed away last year. In the moment that that believing Fred Cook breathed his last breath in that handsome tent, <laughs> man, to be absent from the body, uh, as Paul would say in, in 1 Corinthians, is to be present with the Lord in his, in his glorified body in the kingdom of heaven. He's in, he's in heaven with him. So um, that, that invitation to promote that kingdom began with the disciples. And I took us into Matthew 16 up uh, to the area of, of Caesarea Philippi up north where places riddled with uh, idolatry. I know, Brian, you've been there with me and you, I've, I still remember the look on your face. Like, whoa, this is a trip. <laughs> And we opened up this passage and we went through this. But basically that question, um, Chad, you quoted where Jesus is that inescapable question that we all have to answer. Who do men say that I am? Well, of course, he went through and, and um, Peter got it right. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And whew, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, my Father, which is in kingdom, um, which, which my Father has revealed to you. And, and Jesus would go on and... And he would say to, to Peter there that he would basically give him the keys to this kingdom. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Keys are to unlock a door. That's the picture. And we went through and looked at Peter's life. After Jesus ascended, he told the disciples to go into Jerusalem and tarry, which they did, 120 of them. Holy Spirit fell, as was promised through the prophet Joel. And they began to speak in tongues. And, and as the Spirit moved among them, and all these people who were there for the Feast of Pentecost began to go, why are all these people in this room speaking in our dialect? And that would lead to Peter standing up and giving the first sermon that we see in the book of Acts. He would preach Jesus. He would preach his, his death, burial, and resurrection, and it would lead to people saying, you know, what, what should we do? And he would call them to repentance. And 3,000 people were saved. Now, that was in Jerusalem, and that was primarily Jews. The, the kingdom of heaven would be first opened up to someone, and it would be the Jews. Then we move forward 10 years later. And we come to Acts chapter 10, and um, we see the, 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 the kingdom being used by Peter. God, again, using Peter to open up the kingdom of heaven uh, to the Gentiles, to, to non-Jews. And I always love going to Caesarea by the sea on our Israel trips. And my first study is always, I started off this way. Turn your Bibles over to the book of Acts, and I have everybody raise their hands if they are a Jew. And every time one person, our guide, or maybe our bus driver, they raise their hands. Oh, the rest of us are Gentiles. Well, here we go. And we see the door being opened to non-Jews. And um, time doesn't allow us to get into that story, but you can read through that in the book of Acts. And uh, basically, it, it's such a gracious thing to know that God would use us to go out to others to expand his kingdom. What a mind-boggling experience that must have been for Peter to see those first 3,000 Jews saved and then later on 5,000 more and then 10 years later to walk into the house 
of Cornelius, a Gentile, preach the gospel. Holy Spirit falls on Gentiles and they're saved. And all Jews are standing around tripping out on that. And so for us today, why don't you guys, I'll give you both the remaining minute here or so. Um, talk about the importance of that today as, as a child of God. How important it is that your friends, your relatives also hear this good news and maybe share that good news with them right now. I'll go first because you're too long-winded. I know how he works. He turns a Sunday service into an hour and a half. Anyway, um, no, I really, you know, I, um, when we went into this whole quarantine, I actually started reading through Acts on my own in my own private time. And, and um, you get to see the power of the Holy Spirit. You look at Peter specifically, who only a couple months before this, you know, he, he begins to heal people. A couple months before, he had denied Jesus um, three times. You know, we see that in the Gospels. And, and, I, and, and you see the Holy Spirit come upon him, and he is absolutely transformed. The threat of imprisonment, the threat of being beaten, being actually being beaten, and they never strayed from the course. You know, they continued to, to preach Jesus and him crucified. And then we see Paul join the mix in Acts chapter 9 and then and, and, and from there on. And I just, I, I really love, um, you know, just looking at Peter specifically and the transformation that took place. And I think it's great for us because they walked with Jesus and then now Jesus has ascended and, and that's us. I mean, we're not, you know, Jesus isn't walking amongst us physically, but he has ascended and, and we, we can live the same lives that these guys did. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing holding us back. There's nothing preventing us from Yeah, John 14, he has left his spirit, right? Absolutely. To empower us, assist us, to teach us, to comfort us, to come alongside us. And I, I, I like that reference. Maybe that's a good, a good thing to uh, challenge our online audience with is to go through the book of Acts and see how once Jesus ascended, how... As he said in John chapter 14, the Holy Spirit would have a role and how that played out in the followers of Christ and helping them advance the message of the kingdom. Thus, every time someone was saved, the kingdom grew by one more. Right? Yeah, and I think just in talking about the importance of the kingdom and the importance of our family members and the importance of sharing. And I know a couple of weeks ago you guys talked about that, what that looks like practically and, and just everything we've been looking at, just thinking upon the, the kingdom of darkness, those family members, those friends, um, those loved ones that we have, that as we understand and get a grasp of it, that they are under the control, as Ephesians 2 would talk about, mm -hmm. of the prince of the power of the air. Mm -hmm and how he's moving within them and how he's working within their lives. And, and we've talked about how the question that you, you mentioned, Chad, of, of who do you say that I am? And I know in your message on Sunday, you talked about, Lance, of whether you choose or the decision or I should say the, the answer you give to that question will determine so much more. Well, who is Jesus to you? And the answer to that is going to have so much implications to that. And so as we think upon that and think upon those that we love, those that are still under the control of the enemy, those that would be answering that question incorrectly, who they don't understand who Jesus is to them, who don't have a full comprehension, who don't have that relationship, who have not transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. 
how important it is for us who do know the truth to be able to pour into our loved ones and to be able to share with them with the attempt to try to reach them, to transfer them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so just with that, it's kind of that's what I was grasping through all this is just the urgency really of being able to minister to those that are closest to us, whether it's our neighbors, whether it's our friends, family members, those that don't know the Lord, how important and urgent it really is to uh, minister to them. Amen. Out of Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll close with this, it says, speaking to believers, and you he made alive who were dead, speaking of spiritually dead, in trespasses and sins. And once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan, kingdom of darkness, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. In other words, we were born into this world subject to the wrath of God, just as others. But then I love the but gods in Scripture. Verse 4. But God, listen to this, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loves us. Even when we were at our worst, dead in trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Then in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself it is a gift of God. What, a, what an amazing consideration that God would, would love us enough, would love all of us enough, even at our worst, that he'd look at us in that, that spiritually dead state. And, and something that is dead cannot help itself. He <laughs> can't save ourselves. And because of his love, he... He formed a plan and he sent his son to die on a cross so we could simply put faith, believe in Jesus who died on the cross to forgive us, to save us and receive that gift of salvation. And if you've never done that, I'd like to lead you in a very short prayer where you could ask Jesus into your life right now, in your, in your, your living room, uh, in, in your 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 hopefully not in your car, but um, wherever you might be, would you just, as long as you're not in your car, <laughs> bow your head with me and, and just, just say these words to the Lord. Say, Jesus, I, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize that I've been, I was born into this world apart from you. I was, I, I am part of a kingdom that is dark that is ruled by the prince of the power of the air, who works in lives like mine, who are disobedient. But tonight I, I recognize that, and I no longer want Satan to rule my life. I want to be set free. I want to be forgiven, and I want the salvation that you, Jesus, provide. Just say that to him. Tell him that you believe he died on the cross, and he was buried, and he rose from the dead for you. 
Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come in and to fill you with His Spirit. And if you've prayed those very simple words and you've expressed that to Jesus, I just would encourage you to thank Him now for the salvation that He's given you. We thank you again for tuning in. For any of you who prayed that prayer with us, or for any of you that need prayer for anything, we would encourage you to call our church office at 714-446-6222 or go online. Any of our online platforms have all the information on how you can write to us or contact us. For you that are watching on Facebook Live, please, man, like us. Um, you know, post up. Let us know you're there. And um, we'd love to interact with you. We're here for you. We love you. God bless you.